in the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. 911 emergency. Police. Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents. Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. If you're into weird shit, hello and welcome back to the new Spetches podcast, not another true crime podcast, where we talk about all the sketchy shit your heart desires, scams, cults, conspiracies, of course, true crime. I'm Sarah Levine, editor-in-chief of Betches.com, and I'm here basically with my co-host, Hannah Perkins. Woo-woo! Happy to be here, guys. Yeah. Happy <laughs> to have you. Yep. Um, just want to let you all know, this is our last episode of the season. Very sad. Sad, sad We're times. Upset. We're upset. But we are going to go out with a bang because we are talking about a case literally everyone in America knows. You guys asked for it and you got it. We are covering the JonBenet Ramsey murder. Yes, we are. And you should already know that because you should have listened to the episode before this one because it's a two-parter because this shit's crazy. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to it, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. You just turn back Pause. around. Yeah. You Stop just, what you're doing. Yeah. Everyone just go back. Listen to the first one. Um, in that episode, the first episode, which you should listen to, uh, we basically covered all the aspects of the crime scene. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the investigation and the theories. Woo. Um, so this murder case is like basically just a monster that yeah, has that's taken why over we split it up into two parts because otherwise I'd be talking for like four hours straight, yeah. which nobody ever lets me do. And also like this just it's just too much. It's just too much of us. Yeah. This for my I don't own. even like myself that much. No, I sometimes <laughs> I listen to these podcasts as people have pointed out, we have a lot of flaws with our voice apparently. I know. So, what can I do? I can't change it. Sorry, so guys. You're it's here. A, you're sucking yeah, it up and dealing with my voice. My, um, it's our larynxes and we just can't do much about that. Yep, sorry. So as we know John Bonet Ramsey was brutally murdered in her home on Christmas in 1996. Um, pretty much, like we said, really, really well known. Yep. Um, we we all can kind of think. I mean, I personally think that one of the reasons it's so well known is because of who she is, what she looks like. Yeah, because she's like a cute little blonde white yeah, girl, a little yeah, pageant queen, quote unquote, all American. Like if there was a picture <laughs> for that. It would probably be her. Honestly. Um, She was killed in her home. There is a weird as fuck ransom note. We'll leave. We should like leave a picture of that on (laughs) the ransom note. Yeah. You guys can just scroll through like 40 pages of it. I mean, it's (laughs) long as hell. So long. Um, So, and that's what makes it so well known is because of that ransom note, because of who she is, there was like this giant media Yeah, the pageants too, that played a huge Mm -hmm. huge role in it. The fact that she did pageants, people like flipped a shit. Which... Yeah, we're we both agree is like not that big of a deal. No, but so. yeah, the media shit show um, and the investigation about the case, I think, is really half the reason why this case is so yeah. well known and why people like hearing about it and why we're talking um, about it. Yeah, and yeah. it deserves its own episode. So it that really is. is exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the investigation is crucial because it plays into many people's theories of who killed Jean Monnet. 
So it's it's impossible to talk about this case without mentioning that. Yeah, it really is. Um, the Ramseys had said many times that Boulder police failed to do its job and they called them incompetent and criticized them for focusing their investigation on their family. There's kind of been this like this push pull. Basically, did yeah. the police do their job? The Ramseys say no. Um, a lot of people think that they bungled the crime scene, which I agree. But then yeah. I think also a lot of people want to like rail against the Boulder PD. I feel like after that whole crime scene fiasco, they kind of locked it down. I think they did their jobs. I think, I mean, it took a minute. I mean, you, yeah, I, yeah, I, I like think that the police did kind of a shisty job on this or not shisty, maybe like just shoddy. It was just bad. Um, as far as like not locking it down, but yeah. So I mean, the Ramsey's like, aren't entirely wrong that the BPD kind of did fuck it up, but initially, yeah. But I think it's unfair to like blame it on them or yeah. yeah. I actually just to give a little bit of insight on kind of the investigation and where it went wrong. There was a couple yeah. things. Um, the former police chief Mark Beckner, who is in the book that you read, yeah, he? He's by a James Kohler, who was. Uh, a former lead investigator on this very case. Yeah, and that's something Sarah. So read. he's legit. He's legit. He's an actual like legit person writing this book. Yes. Um. So Mark Beckner did a AMA on Reddit. Yeah, which is fucking crazy. I know, but then all of the responses got deleted. Did <laughs> yeah. you see that? Apparently, he didn't think that it was going to be like published on the internet. Idiot. Just old people. What does things. he think Reddit like, is? I don't know. <laughs> like, honestly, and what does he think an AMA is? Like that's. I don't know. Uh, I don't know who his PR person is, but they should have really. Uh, yeah, that's not vetted that for him. But there are like someone took screenshots of it and they put it in the Denver Post. Wow, doing the Lord's work. Seriously, someone must have seen that this was coming. Um, yeah, but they the Denver Post put it up, I believe, and there was a couple other people that I saw it from. So he revealed a lot of things because honestly, he had the AMA and he was like, "I was the former police chief and or detective in um, yeah. Boulder," and no one gave a fuck about that. They were all just like, "Ah, oh, yes, John Benet Ramsey," and everyone just asked about that. Yeah, so, which is fair. So it's the biggest you know, case of his career. So basically here's what he revealed in the AMA. Police did not immediately treat the house like a crime scene, um, which we've said is a huge problem. They didn't even secure the house fully until like nine af- nine. I hours mean, after. the Ramseys invited their friends over. <laughs> like it was, it was a cluster. It was like a social gathering. It was weird. Like yeah. that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. And they should have told the Ramseys like these people got to go. Like, right. It's, it's strange. You can't invite them. Um, even JonBenet Ramsey's room wasn't fully secured, which is crazy because she was like taken out of their house in theory. Like, yeah, that should have been secured. Um, mm-hmm. But it led to a lot of tampered evidence. There was things like John in last episode. Um, you know, John picks up John Benet Ramsey when he finds her. He yeah, hands he carries her off, the body, carries her up the stairs, hands her off to Linda Art, who is a detective. Then Linda Art moves her, mm-hmm. and then she puts her in the living room. Where Patsy, Patsy like, collapses on her. Yeah. Basically, it's like it's a mess. They a took whole the forensic duct tape mess off her yes. mouth. It's just yeah, it's fucked. Um, so then. Also, because it's Christmas, police were really short-staffed. Boulder is not a place that had a lot of crime. Still, I don't think does. Um, but really short-staffed, and there was a lot of rookies working because it was Christmas Day. Um, none of them are really prepared for a crime of this magnitude, obviously. I also think that that's part of the reason why that this case got so much media coverage. Yeah. Is because... I mean, the, the the time between New Year's and Christmas is always, like, nothing's going on. Yeah. Especially in the media. That's when you see all those, like, bullshit feel-good stories. Like, yeah. there's, there's no news happening. So this happened, and it's like, whoa, yeah. holy shit. The world's Everyone's a good place covering it. between Christmas and New Year's. Right. But That's maybe not in 2018, because, oh like, 
this yeah. is just daily shit now um yeah but yeah so boulder was mellow not a lot of police were prepared and another thing that they didn't do is they didn't get a full statement from the parents on the day of okay well here's the thing mm-hmm. and i want to go i'm i could spend a long time going into detail about this Perfect. but the ramses were they maintain <sighs> that they cooperated but i don't it doesn't don't add up did. with me so i think that could not so much be a failing on the part of the police and yeah. could be the Ramses not wanting to talk. I mean, and in theory, like they could have just gotten an attorney and been like, we're not, we're not doing this right now. Well, they did. They did. I mean, statistically only 6% of child murderers are committed by strangers. Yeah. So don't trust anyone. Yeah. And then <laughs> that percentage story. drops significantly when a child is found murdered in their own home. So yeah. Statistically, yeah. it's like, why wouldn't you look at the family? That would be like pretty much who you zero in on. It's like if, yeah. a, if a wife gets murdered, like the first person everyone looks husband at is it. the husband. Yeah, exactly. She's found dead at 1.40 p.m. About 30 minutes after finding his dead daughter, John Ramsey, her father, a detective overhears John calling to check on his private plane. And because they were going to go to Michigan that day. Yeah. If you if you listen to part one, you know this. This is all not new. Yeah. Um, and he calls to check in on his private plane and he decides that they're going to go to Atlanta. Yeah. He tried to tell police that he had a really important business meeting that he yeah. couldn't miss. That's literally what he tried to tell his them. First of all, daughter just got murdered. First of all, <laughs> your daughter just got murdered. <laughs> also, like, it's a Saturday. It's Christmas. Like, yeah. You don't have it. Like, dude, yeah, what are also, your priorities? You were going to Michigan. So wait, what the fuck are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, I actually didn't even think about that. That's yeah, a good point. It's like, yo, that is... Uh, what the hell? No, it's all it's all. Where are your up. priorities? You just found your dead daughter. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just fucked up. And the cops, they do tell the Ramseys to leave. After they finally, you know, figure out that JonBenet is dead and they secure the house, the Ramseys bounce. Yeah. And here's... This is another thing about the Ramsey family that <clears throat> also makes me think that the police were trying to do their job to the best of their ability. Um, two days after the murder, by Saturday, December 28th, 1996, mm-hmm. the Ramsey family was being represented by attorneys. Yes. So, I mean, I know we always talk about this. Like, we is do. this smart or is this... To get an attorney. Guilty. I don't... I know this is a very inconsistent opinion that I'm having right now, mm-hmm. but to me, this just makes them look shady. And I'll tell you why, too, because it's not just that they retain legal counsel. Like, that's fine. The ADA, at the time, Pete Hofstrom, informed detectives that the family was not willing to meet with police investigators, and basically any questions that the police had had to be given to their lawyers in writing. And one example of this is the police had... They gave the Ramsey family 16 basic questions stuff like what was jean benet wearing on the night she died like very basic stuff and it took the family weeks to answer that shit which is fucking weird like there were so many things that they just didn't hand over um also it was weird to me that they got different attorneys was that strange to you too john and patsy yeah they both got different attorneys which is like a little fucking strange because they're married that is weird yeah which uh, like i don't know what the benefit is to that i don't either an american crime story the documentary i watched um they they said that like obviously pat's and john did you hear like pat patsy and john had like a bad marriage or no it was like rough from according to this documentary really so it was kind of strange that they got two different lawyers but Hmm. whatever maybe i'm just like harping on that too much um but it also wasn't just the immediate family who lawyered up uh other people did too john ramsey went so far to hire attorneys to represent members of the paw family and even his ex-patsy's parents yeah and even his ex-wife lucinda johnson yeah that's weird i wonder if his older kids got attorneys too 
I don't know. It's hmm. like you get an attorney, you get yeah, an attorney. Everyone gets an attorney. In John this is bankrolling the lawyers. He it's literally is. Yeah. Also, <laughs> this is the craziest thing. On December thirty first, John hires a PR firm. I can't. Like what? This is a murder <laughs> investigation, not the launch of your clothing line. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, they hire this Washington D.C. PR firm, Rowan and Blewett, and soon they had. A guy, Pat Corden, who was handling the media and releasing public statements from the family. That's so weird. And like, as someone who has worked in PR for the past five years, I I don't know how anyone would take this fucking case. Like, oh, because you'd get tons of money and I mean, yeah, that's true. But I also like this is like a very the crime of. It's a very Olivia Popey, you know. It's like it, it is. It's like <laughs> they scandal. hired like fixers, pretty much. Like it's handled kind of thing. They yeah, they hired basically a crisis PR firm. Which, That's so weird. I know it's just strange. Yeah. I don't so know to I recap, that. in the days following your daughter's their daughter's brutal murder, the Ramseys lawyer up, and they hire a PR firm. Yeah. Shady. So shady. <laughs> it's weird. And then also with the police, like they give a very cursory interview on December 26th, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't give another police interview until April 30th, 1997. Hella far away. So, That's like four months. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like they really weren't cooperating with the police, even yeah. though they say that they did. It's like this doesn't really indicate that you were. No. But four what's months even later. weirder, though, is like even though this interview uh police interview is at the end of april they do a cnn interview on january 1st of 1997 so yeah. they're talking to the media before they're even talking, talking to, the, to police. the police and it's fucking weird that cnn interview is weird That's, yeah you're right it is strange like i had i watched it a couple times because i was like am i is this real like i almost thought i wasn't watching the real interview i know i've watched they play a, a good bit of clips on it in yeah. um the cbs documentary that i watched it's weird it's weird it's strange i mean yeah. to be like to their credit they say that they were pretty zonked down on meds which like yeah i'd probably be barred out too if my daughter was brutally murdered okay so here's where i have that problem though okay. is <laughs> because as someone who's worked in pr like yeah. you you teach your clients how to talk to media and like you go through interviews with them you would yeah you media train you media train them exactly so like you would never be like by the way before you go on fucking cnn get zonked out or like yeah. take something that's gonna make you seem less because they looked guilty they, i think they just kind of looked robotic and weird <laughs> yeah and the language was weird like did you, i don't know though i just i'm not gonna judge them because i'm i'm sure judging that their pr firm i'm sure that if that happened to me I wouldn't listen to my PR person. I would be taking a ton of Xanax just to be able to function and get through life and not just like shut down from the grief. They're also like that interview. I mean, there's so many things like they say her name in full, which weirded me out. Oh, really? Yeah. They're like, we did not kill John Bonet. And I'm like, why don't you just say like, I didn't kill my daughter. You know, like, why do you make it so like, it bothers me like from a PR standpoint, because it makes it like less like I don't know personal like personal Cause interesting because like, they're like supposed to be like trying to convince everyone that they didn't do it right. you know what I mean and like they don't look like they didn't didn't do it either. well they don't yeah they're not really emoting very no. much I think John cries a little bit at the end of the interview maybe yeah um, it's also there's this one instance in particular where John says that um, he and the family are quote unquote not angry about Jean Benet's death, Trippin'. but they just wanted to know why it happened. Record scratch. 
hold up your daughter is brutally murdered in your home and you're not mad about it i fucking hate when people do that you're not mad about <laughs> like, it? that's such an oddly zen position to take like i've gone into rage blackouts when my web browser doesn't load in two seconds but you're yeah. not mad that someone like, bludgeoned and strangled your, your six-year-old daughter you should be mad yeah <laughs> like, that's what yeah, we're saying you should be too. fucking furious so weird yeah. man they also hold another press conference on may 1st 1997 oh it's, i love this press conference <laughs> like honestly this timeline is fucking crazy the fact that four months have passed and it's just like nothingness okay yeah um so they hold a press conference in denver inviting a few select news stations to attend bougie yeah it was um, invite only yeah exclusive guest list seriously um the location of the conference was secret this, this kills me <laughs> reporters had to be invited and also had to say a spoken password to get in yes like what was there this like a was... secret knock too like what the fuck is this yeah right yeah you gotta use the phone booth outside and like dial it so (laughs) weird like yeah and there was a ton of ground rules for this press conference yeah uh the press conference only lasted 30 minutes yeah which is okay whatever much much ado about not a lot of time i mean not a lot of time and everyone of course wanted to go and nobody can ask any questions about the murder investigation so like why are we freaking here yeah if you're not not even allowed so what are you going to talk about you can't ask questions about the murder investigation no they also couldn't ask questions or refer to other people in the room. So it was just a bullshit press conference. Yeah, it's not a press conference. It's yeah. literally just them like talking and no one being able, the press not being able to do anything really. Yeah. Um, and also like, I, I was like totally like, this kind of reminds me of like sorority recruitment. Yeah, <laughs> like, when you're like, you so have to rules. wear your hair straight. Yeah, like you only have to do this, this color lip gloss. And yeah. then someone else is going to slide in on your right. And I'm yeah. like, oh okay. my gosh. It was, PTSD. Yeah, lots of horrible flashbacks happening yeah. right now. In 19, 19- 1998, John Ramsey writes a letter to Alex Hunter, the DA at the time, and he expresses a few things. And this is from the book that you read. So go ahead. Yes. You could you can get this one. All right. So number one, he states that the Ramseys have, quote, no trust or confidence in the Boulder police because, quote, they tried from the moment they walked in our home on December 26, 1996, to convince others that Patsy or I or Burke killed Jean Benet. I don't think that. I think that, like... The, the which Ramsey as we've discussed family, yeah. is the most statistically likely <laughs> thing so they they're should trying, they're just trying to fucking solve the murder right it's like, like they should look at you guys but the ramses think that the police had tunnel vision yeah and, like and zero only on. looked at them he also continues um in this letter to the da he said i will hold them meaning the boulder pd accountable forever for one thing not accepting help from people who offered it in the beginning <sighs> and who could have brought a wealth of experience to bear on the crime which is like that's kind of you a did, weird... It doesn't seem like they offered help in the beginning because, again, they were not very forthcoming yeah. with information. He also says that he, Patsy, Burke, John Andrew, and Melinda, his two older children... From the meet, first marriage, yeah. yes. Would meet anytime, anywhere, for however long with investigators from the DA's office. So, not the cops. Not the cops, exactly. Yeah. I to me they um it just seems like they're whispering in the da's ear kind of and yeah. they're just cozying up to the da what's her name mary lacy is that her mary lacy is the da who takes over for alex hunter okay alex hunter is this da at the time okay, yeah, that he's yeah. writing to and he also ends this letter um saying that he'll put up a million dollar reward through the help of friends if this will help derive information i just thought that was like weird a little weird yeah through the help of friends okay i mean yeah i guess it's like an informal reward system to yeah put up a reward um yeah i just thought it was like 
interesting how the Ramses clearly have no faith in the police. Yeah. And so they're like trying to. But here's the thing is also the DA. One thing that like kind of killed me is this isn't all just the Boulder PD. The FBI comes in too. the FBI does come in and the Ramses don't like the FBI either. Yeah. And it's like, like, okay, who do you like? Who do you want to solve this murder? Well, they they don't want anyone who's going to point the finger at them. Yeah. And that becomes clear because they accuse a bunch of their friends. Yeah. They give this like entire list to the police (sighs) and then anyone who like kind of turns on them. Yeah. They just like completely shut out of their life pretty yes, much yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty fucking gnarly um in 1998 boulder police is like fuck you we're putting the heat on yep. um for real so on march 12 1998 the boulder police chief tom kobe and commander at the time but later on to be the chief mark beckner who we already referred to um request that the boulder da convene a grand jury they make this request via press release god press releases press conferences this whole thing well it's Media the boulder circus. pd doing a yeah. press release yeah um, but a grand jury doesn't happen for another full five months after that. So this is yeah. already 1998. So we're now yeah two, two years, years later. Two years later, one of those families that mm-hmm. they were friends with has been like writing letters to the DA this whole time, like being like, "You guys should open up a grand jury investigation." Like yeah. So finally, they Damn. do it on August 12th, 1998. Hunter announces that he's finally ready to present to the grand jury. About time. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean, okay, to be fair, like, I don't know how long it takes to convene a grand jury. And I don't either. Not, yeah. So, you know, not going to fault him for taking five months to, like, get his ducks in a row or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts August 12th, 1998. The inquiry concludes on October 13th, 1999. So, so three what, years later. A long time. <laughs> yeah. So that's a long grand jury. Yep. Uh, we don't know what was said, and we'll really never know because those records are forever sealed yeah and those are a huge missing piece of this whole thing like yep there's so much in there um but the grand jury doesn't really go anywhere unfortunately yeah district attorney hunter announces in a press conference on october 13th 1999 so the day that the grand yeah, jury concluded, yeah um that no charges have been filed he indicates prosecutors do not have sufficient evidence to warrant the filing of charges against anyone who has been investigated at the present time. Which was John and Patsy Ramsey. Yeah. And let's just play a clip of that. No charges have been filed. I and my prosecution task force believe we do not have sufficient evidence to warrant the filing of charges. The way that Hunter says it, he literally legit makes it sound like the grand jury decided that there was enough evidence to indict. And Mm -hmm. like for those of you who don't watch Law & Order, essentially the point of a grand jury is to decide if a case has enough merit to be brought to trial. Wow. Listen, Law & Order just coming. Teaching us real shit right here. Right. We are the law in this room. So, yeah, if a grand jury doesn't vote to indict, then charges don't get like formally Brought brought up. Um, so Hunter makes it sound like the grand jury was like, nah, you guys don't really have a case. But no, that's not what happened. In 2013, it's revealed that the grand jury actually did vote to indict them. Hunter just chose not to pursue the case. Which is fucking, like, why would he put that in the press release? I, I don't know. It's sketchy. It's just really sketchy. It's sketchy. Then again, um, I think about it and, like... I feel like DAs are political and I think a lot of them just want to pursue cases that they'll win to have like a better track record. Totally. So maybe, maybe he just felt like this wasn't going to be a case he could win and was like, nah. Yeah. Or you could look at it, you know, like something shittier was going on. But it's also like at the same time, this case was so famous. Like if he could win it, he would have been like a big fucking deal. That's true. So, but then if he couldn't, he'd be like, 
the uh, what's the OJ prosecutor's name? Oh, um, God, Sterling the- K. Brown, him. <laughs> <laughs> not, not him, but yes, I know who you're talking but about like Marsha, Marsha Clark, and yeah, and, and uh, the other dude, the other Charles guy, something. Be that guy of Boulder, so I yeah. get one with the glove. I, yeah, <laughs> I totally get why you wouldn't want to be pressure. that dude it yeah. is a lot of pressure and it's not a slam dunk and everyone has so many fucking opinions on it including yeah. the police so after that not a lot goes on yeah um in 2002 the boulder pd turns the case over to the da's office because they're like we've done what we can yeah um in a december 20th press release it's announced that the boulder county's da office is taking responsibility following up on new leads yeah, um, this to me is really the death knell of the yeah. Jean-Benet Renzi case. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, no. This is, as much as people rail against the PD for being incompetent, this is where you think the yeah, DA Yeah, I personally think that it's because of the DA's office that... Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I agree with you. I think it's a combination of the two because I think if there wasn't so many mistakes made by the Boulder PD... That this could have yeah, been. Yeah, there was a whole forensic nightmare. Like it was they, a nightmare. There was a ton of like DNA to test. Here's what ha- here's what goes down. In the spring of 2004, the DA's office hires my boy, James Kohler. <laughs> James Kohler. As just an investigator to investigate the case. And he becomes chief investigator in 2005. There you go. James Kohler um, coming up. And the Ramses kind of continue to do what I think is meddling. Hmm. Or you could just, I guess, call it be involved in the DA's investigation. In the summer of 2004, John and Patsy Ramsey scheduled a visit to the DA's office and they were requesting copies of the DA's investigative files. And the DA was considering doing it. Like some guy literally goes to James Kohler and they're like, hey, should we turn over these files? And he's like, "Mm, no, what the 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 hell? Why would you do that? Yeah, Yeah, just everything going on at all. He's like the the term that he uses is umbrella of suspicion, (laughs) even though they're not official suspects because the grand jury inquiry was closed. But they're under the umbrella of suspicion. He's like, why the hell would you give them our documents? And that wasn't the first time that they'd done that. That's like very ballsy. They're just like, hey, yeah, can you, ahead uh, of their April 1997 interview, the Ramses had been provided copies of the police investigative reports before they sat down to interview with detectives. Okay. And that was like a main stipulation of them finally giving an interview. They were like, we need to see all of our police statements beforehand. Holy shit, though. I don't even like hmm. their attorney must have argued that one well because. Yeah. That's like a there was crazy a whole thing. lot of like weird back and forth negotiating behind the scenes between like them sitting down for an interview. Also, they're like in Atlanta. Yeah, it's, they're like come to Boulder so we yeah. can interview you. There's like a whole lot of back and forth there. There's also a whole lot of back and forth taking a polygraph and people who believe the that the Ramses didn't have anything to do with it say, well, they passed a polygraph. But polygraphs aren't like it's not that simple. They refuse to do it with the Boulder PD. They're like, all right, let's get the FBI. The Ramsey said no. And they had like all these stipulations that they wanted mm-hmm. the police to, like jump through hoops. Eventually they take a private privately administered polygraph. Yeah. Which just like doesn't hold the same weight. No, as a police sanctioned one. So Yeah, they do a lot of weird shit. Like they um they refuse to give up certain medical records. Like Yeah. There's a lot of like the umbrella of suspicion. Well they have they think that they deserve an island of privacy. Yeah, that was the quote that they used. There's a lot of like inanimate objects here combined with, you know, other things. Yeah. Um so and they just they thought that they deserved an island of privacy when it came to the investigation. And the Boulder PD 
was also never able to get search warrants for their credit cards or their cell phone records or yeah. their phone records because I guess they didn't really have that many cell phones. Yeah, I would think that's weird. I would think that if my kid was killed, I'd be like, take everything Look through my shit, yeah. take it all, take like it all. find the person who did this. Well, and if you don't have anything to hide, like why are you, like why are you tripping so much? I know there is a lot of speculation about the medical records and like what could have been revealed Ooh. in those i mean jean benet went to the doctor 30 some odd times in yeah. three years that's <laughs> like, a, it's a lot of times to go to the doctor yeah. <laughs> um and considering i only go to the doctor if i'm like on the verge six. of six like she's six years old yeah, yeah. that's a um, lot of times i did read that she had a lot of utis yeah okay i did read that too and one thing that i read or and also i listened to it on uh last podcast on left was that utis could also have been caused by the clothes she was wearing oh like the pageant outfits <laughs> it'd be your own clothes <laughs> it'd be your own clothes that sucks uh yeah i think some kids kind of just get utis yeah, though some people are just prone to it so it's not yeah. necessarily like an indicator yeah. of abuse i don't really want to get into kohler's whole book because a that's plagiarism yeah and then <laughs> yeah, we'll be here one. for the next like 45 years which we don't want to be we're both so done with this case yeah i'm like please it's weird because i want to talk about it all the time Me too. but also like i never <laughs> I want to talk myself. about it again like i feel like i'm katie heron and mean girls talking about this is my regina george oh you know i like, like want to talk about it all the time you, did i ever tell you that he looks like a british man yeah like, that kind of thing yeah we were talking we've been talking about this for weeks you guys <laughs> uh and we're all just like sarah and i are basically just miserable we went to a party last night and talked about it while drinking and Literally. we were like this is how we know we've hit a new yeah note. um yeah but okay so kohler gives basically gives Mary Lacey a really detailed presentation and a report Mm -hmm. that points to the family's involvement and refutes most of the evidence in the intruder theory that was mostly um, put forth by this guy, Lou Smith, who was, I think he was like a very famous, like a well-known homicide detective. And he's like on the Ramsey side and thinks an intruder did it. Um, Mm. Okay. So (laughs) yeah, Kohler essentially begs Lacey to look into the parents and Burke and she just ignores him. And here's a direct quote from his book. He says, she being Mary Lacey told me she was unwilling to pursue that lead because she didn't want to harm her relationship with the Ramsey family. Which is that, that just solve the fucking murder. Like who, who cares about your well, relationship? With it the made family? me think maybe that's why Hunter didn't yeah. want to bring charges. I mean, they are really prominent. They're, they are prominent. They're loaded. They make a statement kind of thing. And it's a big deal. They're using the media to their advantage here. Yeah. Um, so it's possible having them on their side is, or like not on your side is a bad look for you. So, but it's still I think that's weird. just weird that you want to have a personal relationship with someone who should be under this umbrella yeah. of suspicion. Yeah, exactly. Especially when it's your job to like find those people and really. Yeah. When I was reading this book, I got the impression <sighs> that there was this divide between the Boulder PD and the DA's office because I think hmm. the Boulder PD really most of them wanted to look into the family. Yeah. And the DA's office was like, we're not even touching it. Which is weird because everyone knows if you watch Law & Order that they work hand in hand. Well, yeah. It's Law & Order. Law & Order. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the name of the show. Duh, duh. So, yeah. It's weird. So there's no law and no order combined together I know. on this one. And, okay. Also, in, in 2008, Touch DNA Evidence comes out, which basically means like you can yeah. test smaller samples of DNA. The game's changed. Or it's also called transfer DNA. Yeah. It's like not necessarily like I grabbed you, but my DNA can just like 
bounce onto you. Yeah, kind pretty of thing. much. Yeah. Just like get on you. Yeah. Um, so that technology comes out. <laughs> they test um, Jean Benet's like stuff, body. Mm-hmm. Um, in this test, it comes out. There's basically four samples from unknown people, three men and a woman. Oh. So, and I'm like, you know, we'll go through the whole intruder theory in a sec. Yeah. Um, but this comes <clears throat> out, and so people who believe the intruder theory are like, see, this is DNA evidence Yeah. Um, that proves that there are unidentified people um, like who are like somehow linked to Jean Benet, their DNA's on her. Yeah. Um, Mary Lisi sends out a release apologizing to the Ramses and effectively clearing them of guilt. Yeah. I mean, at that point. Like, I think, isn't that weird? I mean, it's all weird. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is weird. Like, she's personally apologizing to them. Yes. That's fucking strange to me. It's and also, like, because it's touch DNA, like, even if there's DNA on her, that doesn't necessarily mean that she came into contact with those people. That's the you whole know? thing about touch DNA. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, like, it's not very conclusive. That just brings us to our theories. Yeah, well, there's two viable theories. I yeah. think this is kind of the case in any disappearance murder. True. It's there's two theories. It's either someone you know did it or, or a someone stranger. you don't know did it. Yeah. That's all That's, there is. Uh, pretty much how life works. So there's yeah. two theories, and we ca- I kept referring to the intruder theory. So there's the intruder theory. Yeah. Then there's some family stuff. So Hannah, let's just first talk to talk about the intruder theory. Let's do it. I think okay. it's a little more cut and dry. It is very cut and dry. <laughs> um, and the intruder lifts up the grate. This is what the theory would be. The intruder lifts up the grate of the window while leading to the train room, which is downstairs. So it's, it's kind of like on the floor. Yeah. So you'd lift up the grate and then like, yeah. And the train room is downstairs um, in, the in the basement. So, you know, one of the five rooms in the fucking basement. Uh, so you climb down through the middle window. You go upstairs. And there's carpeted floor. No one can really hear you. You grab John Bonet. You subdue her with a stun gun. Yeah. So there were these two marks that were found on her back. Yeah. Um, that people in this theory believe was from a stun, stun gun. gun um you leave dna in her underwear you're bad yeah that's where the dna i think we talked about that yeah. in the first episode there yeah. is dna in underwear dna a couple drops of like blood they call it in the in this book they call it like disdal stain 27001 or something oh, like that nice very yeah. technical <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rolls right off the tongue i know right um and yeah so that's that's kind of what that general theory is you guys know the rest you know you leave DNA, you kill her. He yeah, writes a little ransom note. The head injury. Yeah. The garage. Yeah. You, listen to the first episode. We're not going to do it again. Uh, <laughs> like, never want to talk about it again. Literally never again. We'd rather die. Um, Ouch. Yeah. Ah, not re- oh, I do this every time. Does I this. make such bad comments. Yeah. I'm sorry. Unidentified male DNA is later found on the waistband of her leggings. Which of, is, yeah, of Jean-Benet's leggings. This yeah. is like the, the touch DNA that... I that just they're, talked yeah, about a second that ago. That they're saying points to the intruder theory. Yeah. And there's also DNA found on the garrote, um, some under her fingernails, and it ends up being like four to six people. We're not Yeah, altogether they find six samples of DNA that does not belong to the family. Right. And also isn't in CODIS, which is that big the, DNA yeah, database. Where they keep it of like people who have been so put in. Yeah. People are like, hey, look, there's the ransom <laughs> note claims to be from a foreign faction. Right. People are like here it is. Here's your foreign Here's the faction. Foreign faction all over um, her. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of ways to debunk it. Let's just go through it. Yeah. I I personally think this theory is trash. Yeah. Yeah. You said it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's not. So not I think number one, the stun gun is a really key part of the intruder theory. Yeah. Um. Basically, Lou Smith believes that 
the intruders used a stun gun to subdue her um, because I just mentioned they find two marks mm-hmm. on her body. Um, but the thing is that the coroner <coughs> characterized those marks as abrasions, whereas a stun gun would really leave like, like a burn. burn marks. Yeah. Exactly. I also think that the stun gun one is weird because she eats she eats that pineapple which I like forget about the, the pineapple fucking pineapple <laughs> pineapple gate man so <laughs> she eats that pineapple we know someone fed it to her we know she ate it if she's coming down and eating pineapple with you unless you're tying her to a chair and force feeding her pineapple yeah that's a very strange like you're gonna stun her in her room take her downstairs and be like let's have a midnight snack like, right they they do believe that the intruders used a stun gun to subdue her which is the key that uh, it's pretty yeah. much like a key part of their theory because they're like no one from the family would need a stun gun to subdue Jean Benet. Right. That, the marks <clears throat> that they believe are from the stun gun are like these two like bird marks. Yeah. As we mentioned, I'm like holding my fingers up in like a horse, mm-hmm. like a two and just jabbing yeah, it into like the air. Yeah, you have like a peace sign right now. Stun gun. There you go. Um, but the marks from the stun gun didn't, that they believe was used, don't perfectly match up with the abrasions found on her back. It's a really close fit, but it's not a perfect fit. If the glove doesn't fit. You have to you acquit. You must acquit. Yep. Enough. The stun gun abrasions don't fit. Doesn't have the quite the same ring to it. Yeah. It doesn't quite hit, hit the mark. And they also reached out to the manufacturer of the stun gun. And the manufacturer said under no under no uncertain terms that their device wouldn't have made those marks. Damn. Well, that'll do it. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of funny because what actually perfectly fits the mark. Yep is a piece of Burke's toy train track. And it's like an O kind of style train track. You know, the ones that like go in a circle. Yep. And um, and it's depicted in the crime scene videos. It's the yeah, same model same, train. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And they, the book talks about this. So you you got the book. Kohler's your guy. Kohler. My man. <laughs> I know. I love him. I don't yeah, know him. But you're a big I'm fan. Like, yeah, I love your work. Um, <laughs> he posits that it's kind of like a three-pronged piece of this track that has like these three pins okay and he said and apparently these pins fall out all the time so he said if the middle pin fell out it would leave the other two two. pins yeah matched up perfectly with the marks with the abrasions found on her back damn okay all right yep i like it um there's also the other issue of getting into the fucking house yeah which um i know i feel like we forgot to mention it but like okay the theory is you open the grate you climb through the window and yeah. then you climb back out with the samsonite suitcase yeah, i forgot the suitcase to mention that's that leaning against the wall yeah and we went over that episode one yeah um so the window that we're talking about here it also is not a very big window from every photo i've seen i mean john you can fi- I mean, it all can fit through it yeah. but it's not like a leisurely no it's not like a, you gotta oh, like no no yeah. sucking in at all like it's definitely uh, not a huge window yeah um so there's a piece of glass sitting on the window as uh, on the windowsill as well as a cobweb in the corner that was undisturbed of the window yeah yeah which is crazy like if you're breaking into a window you're probably gonna run into that cobweb yeah well they tried it on the cbs documentary and there's like there's really no, no way, way for yeah uh an adult to get through that window without disturbing the cobweb and it's not like if you were about to commit like a murder kidnapping yeah. you'd be like oh i can't break the cobweb yeah like, you, no way. you probably wouldn't see it there's also like there was no DNA on that window. So that's another thing too, is like, that would be such a hard squeeze to get through without getting any DNA on anything, 
weird yeah that's true yeah i so, mean the whole window thing then no, yeah. i was thinking about it though and i'm like i think it's kind of a little bit crazy that in at least in the documentary i'm like your guys's entire like yeah refute <laughs> of the intruder theory hinges on a cobweb basically <laughs> i'm like that's pretty ridiculous that's pretty ridiculous like, but then you also can't ignore it and also there was that piece of glass that yeah should have gotten knocked off but it's still there so then Patsy's notebook and a pen were used for the ransom note, which we talked about in episode one. Yeah. Very blatantly her pen, her yeah, notebook, her pen, all of her shit. And then the, the ransom note, um, Patsy's handwriting was like, she's not ruled out as the author of the note. And right. there was a, the documentary I watched. They had a lot of handwriting experts, which I know handwriting experts, as Cameron told me, he's like, they're not like really real experts. Like it's not necessarily like, in the court of law it's not that big of a deal oh whatever i fucking think they're experts you guys i think (laughs) our handwriting means things so whatever but there was 200 matches to her handwriting on that letter which okay it's also like three pages long so that's (laughs) um, a large sample so then the only other theory is that if you don't believe that an intruder did this then the only other option is the family yeah let's start with patsy because their statements to the police were super inconsistent and like in my opinion suspect as hell yeah very much so so Patsy wakes up around 5:30 a.m. This she, is, let's let's back it up to December 26, 1996. We're we're going back in time now, y'all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's actually. my rewind noise. There you go. That was good, actually. Thank you. Um, so Patsy wakes up at 5:30 a.m. She gets dressed in the same clothes she wore the night before, which doesn't seem kind of weird, but it kind of is because of who Patsy is. Yeah, her friends are like that's super weird. Patsy would <clears throat> never wear the same outfit yeah. two days in a row, and they were gonna go traveling too, and so it was like kind of a strange thing to wear. They like they said she'd never done that. before. Yeah, and the police thought that was weird too. So she walks downstairs as she's walking downstairs at 5:40. 5 a.m. she notices a three-page handwritten note on the side of the stairway on the back stairway well not so fast because patsy initially told rick french who was the first officer to arrive on the scene that around 5 45 a.m. when she was headed downstairs she noticed her daughter wasn't in her room so exactly it's like (laughs) oh first she's saying she was just going about her business notices the note earlier she says she goes and checks on john benet first yeah and that's when she goes down the spiral staircase to the kitchen and finds the note. So why did she change her story in the order in which she checked on Jean Benet? Yeah, it's fucking weird. So she also states that to the 911 operator that she read the first few lines of the ransom note, not the whole thing. But at the end of the call, she's able to tell the operator that the letter closes with victory SBTC, which, okay, you shouldn't so it skim. indicates that she did in fact she did read finish the it. letter yeah and it's not like she's like reading it while she's on the 911 call it's a fucking no, you can hear novella. It. she's like frantic yeah, and she's freaking out but also maybe you shouldn't fucking skim your daughter's ransom note just throw that <laughs> out there like well as we discussed um most of it was unnecessary it was unnecessary but i agree but also like just read the ran- just take the time to read your daughter's ransom note That's, yeah this is a life lesson to anyone although i hope you never have to use it agreed yeah um another example of her changing her story was so in the wine cellar on the day of the murder at the time the body was discovered there were a couple of christmas present that had the wrapping paper torn back um patsy told detectives that she couldn't remember what was contained in the presents and hence she had to tear back part of the paper but later on, Kohler learns that it was actually <coughs> Burke who'd been tearing back the paper of the presents while he was playing in the basement on Christmas Day. Fucking Burke. So why would she lie about that? She just, she lies to- about weird shit. That's what kills me about Patsy is like, 
You know what I mean? Like it's weird. Patsy also changed her handwriting technique in the years following the murder. Yeah, the murder. Wow, words. There was like evidence. Yeah, she's switching she, it up. Yeah, that she was changing her handwriting, which is you know interesting because everyone was like the handwriting kind of matches. In April 1997, detectives visit Patsy's mom and ask for a handwriting sample. They see clear evidence that Patsy wrote over some of the letters, the A specifically, which were the, the main ones that were matching, in an attempt to change or conceal the handwriting style. Yeah, like, you know how you have two types of A's? Like, yeah. So she had drawn over them. Weird. Like, yeah. just outlining so it's them. Like, and also on... So you would ask yourself, why was she trying why to do that? do that? Also, Mark Beckner uh, notes in his AMA, now deleted AMA, but but fucking awesome AMA that when they asked Patsy to rewrite the ransom letter for comparison, Patsy did weird shit when she rewrote it, including she wrote the full number of $118,000. What do you mean? Like instead of doing one, one, eight, oh, instead of the numerals, she wrote, she like, wrote the it out actual number out, which is that's weird. weird. Like, that are you writing weird. a check? Like what the fuck is that? Yeah, that's weird. And he was like, that's just not natural to do that. No, it's not. And it's just one thing that she kind of threw in there and the, te- the detectives were like, what the fuck? Um, and also here's one thing that like, I think we mentioned this in the first one Mm -hmm. is that Patsy was a journalism major and this whole letter was really intricate and really like it had a lot of parallel structure. It was larger words. Well written. It it was well written. It was a nice nice ransom letter. (laughs) And finally we have Pineapple Gate. Pineapple Gate. So in her June 1998 interview with the DA's office, Patsy denied feeding pineapple to her daughter or knowing how it entered her system at all. But investigators had determined already that the whites hadn't served pineapple at their party. So someone in the house gave it to her. Also, investigators found latent fingerprints on the bowl of pineapple belonging to Patsy. Yeah, they did. So, so um, someone touched that bowl that had pineapple in it. Here's one final uh, bomb that I'm going to drop. We mentioned how they weren't able to get their credit card records. They had to like painstakingly go through receipts of all their purchases. Jesus. So investigators found before the murder, mm-hmm. um, there was a receipt from a sporting goods store that amounted to, I think it was like $2.49. The brand of nylon rope used in the garage cost $2.49, and it was located in the same department of the store where that receipt was checked out from. So it seems as though Patsy bought bought that that nylon. nylon. Which we discussed on, I think, the first one where we were like, why would you just go murder someone and use things that are around the house? Like MacGyvering it? Like, what are the odds? (laughs) Like, fucking weird. So that's Patsy. She's yep. pretty shady. Um, that's that's basically what we're going to say about that. She's just shady. But let's get into a very equally shady person. But yeah, let's just say that he changes his story up a lot. You want to start? Yeah. Um, so the discovery of the body, which is like a pretty important thing, you would think. I mean, it's burned in my fucking brain, but apparently know, it's not burned in John's. Yep. So... John remarked to Stuart Long, who is Melinda, his older daughter's fiance at the time, that he discovered the body at 11 a.m. Well, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that's bullshit. Um, he discovered it at 1 p.m. He didn't carry her up the stairs until like 104. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, it's only two hours, but it's, that's a pretty significant time difference. I think that's a significant time difference. Yeah. Um, Seeing as how it's... Especially because... Your daughter's dead body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> especially because there's... 
that's also significant that 11 a.m. because um, sometimes after the ransom call time comes and goes, Linda mm-hmm. Arndt loses track of John. Um, according to my book that I read, she reported that he that she first made note of his absence at around 1040 hours and he didn't reappear until noon. So he gone. So it's and like, what? what? What's happening there? And apparently in that time, according to him, he found the body. But it's like, then why why wait till one? Well, that's what he told Stuart. <laughs> Stuart, yeah. That he um, finds the body at 11, which is which conveniently is in this time frame where he's, where he's unaccounted gone. for. Yeah. Weird. Mad weird. Mad weird. So let's get into his inconsistent statements starting from the get-go. So yep. starting on December 26, 1996, he tells investigators that he believed the house t- was locked on Christmas night, which we discussed. Um, he indicates that he observed no signs of force entry into the home. After finding the note, John indicates that he does that he did do a cursory search of John Bonet Ramsey's bedroom. Doesn't mention any trips to the basement. So we get right. everyone's yeah, good got on that. that. Remember it. All right, cool. So then on April thirtieth, nineteen ninety seven, the police interview. John says that. He had been in the train room sometime early that morning after the 911 call and saw the broken window, but didn't see any glass. The train room is in the basement. And he, remember, he said what, in the first episode, he broke the window. Yeah, he'd broken it getting into the house. Yeah. But that's just to point out <sighs> that he's changing his story of what happened that morning. Yeah. He goes to the basement. He doesn't go to the basement. Yeah. That's odd. Um, it- even more odd is he states that the window was open approximately half an inch and he says that he goes and closes it and latches it. And he states that the unlatched window, quote, probably struck him as a little unusual, <laughs> but it wasn't dramatically out of the ordinary. It was um, not dramatically out of the ordinary yeah, to have an open window when your daughter is supposedly kidnapped. Missing? Like, what the fuck? What, what more do you want? You have a ransom note. Like, what do you need? The door to be wide open? Yeah. And also, mean? like, I like how he, like, shuts the fucking window. He's like, oh, there's a little bit of a draft in here. I'm just going to shut the window. Yeah. Even my you're not going to say, um, hey, police officer, Will the window is open? This window? Yeah. Like, this is not <laughs> something that we usually have unlatched. It's in our fucking basement. Like, yeah, it's so weird. So it's then in this police interview that John notes the Samsonite suitcase under the window and expresses his belief that someone came in through the window. Yeah. And he and he says that he's the one who put it there originally. Yeah. So here's here's another yeah. weird shit that happens. Go for it, Hannah. Oh, all right. On June 23rd, 1998, in an interview with the DA's office, John remarks that on the day they discovered John Benet Ramsey's body, there was a truck parked in the alley across the road that I never noticed before. There was a white Ford Fiesta driving by more than once. That's this is 1998. Yeah, like you're just now remembering the fucking that there's Ford a car Fiesta. that there's a, yeah a suspicious car that you never noticed that you never mentioned to police before. Yeah. Two years later, what? you're gonna figure it out. And also, like I think it's kind of weird that he like remembers exactly the make and model or the, of the car. Yeah. Basically, like it's too, it's almost so specific. I feel like he's lying, right? You know, like when people get too too specific. Yeah, with I mean it just is strange that you wouldn't have reported this to police earlier yeah it doesn't really make any sense makes no sense um here's also this um da's office interview is where john's story like really starts to change so this interview he claims again 1998 Mm. for the first time ever that the door to the train room was kind of blocked he says quote there were some boxes and there was a stool kind of thing sitting there in front of the door. And he said that he basically had to move the chair to get into the train room and the window was partially open and the suitcase was there. 
But it's like, where was this chair? Yeah. Where did this appear? Where did this whole thing it, come from? It came from? out of nowhere. And like, again, why wasn't this mentioned before? Also, if you believe that, why would an intruder lock him, block himself into the room? Yeah. It makes no sense. There's just... It, these sort, it's yeah. inconsistent so like but ha- then in his deposition um on december 12 2001 john is back to just saying he saw the broken window the broken glass and the suitcase no mention of the chair so the chair's gone so it yeah. appeared in 1998 it's gone it's gone wow what a time yeah it, it see it's kind of funny because patsy lies and john just changes shit up you yeah know john I mean? he's changing his story and all it's, the time it's so weird all the time um and here's a part that kills me the way john describes this like scene and all this stuff this ransom note that was there indicates like something very sophisticated and planned out why is everything so fucking sloppy kohler notes that a lot throughout his book he says that we're looking for someone who is both organized and disorganized which like okay so it's a bit of a it's a conundrum yeah which maybe suggests that there's two people but like could we say that? I know we're not uh, BAU profilers. I mean, I know <laughs> I, like I got really deep in my criminal mind stuff yeah. there, but we both have our own theories. Yeah. We've talked about them. We have talked about them a lot and we haven't like, and I never want to talk about it again after this. <laughs> so don't ask me. We're not talking about them anymore. <laughs> although, you know, the moment this episode comes out, we're going to get so many fucking DMs. I, well, I just put up a poll on your Insta story. Actually, this is a really good time for me to mention um, <laughs> in the end of the book. I know that I'm like spoiling the best part of the book. kind of. <laughs> okay. James Kohler has this like awesome theory. Let me just like John's company conducted business in the Netherlands. Okay. So you have this, that's the foreign faction. Perhaps these people from the Netherlands. Because it does say, we respect your business, but not the company. Gotcha. Or no, we respect your business, not your country. Your country. In the ransom letter. Yeah. Weird. Then we get to SBTC. (laughs) He thinks that perhaps SBTC is a small band of terrorist kidnappers Mm. misspelled because they are foreign small band of terrorist kidnappers yes they make it that simple yes and then i like it he's like okay you're looking for a group of people he says i think three men three men one woman Uh because that's the touch dna that was found um (coughs) small band terrorist kidnappers you got to think they got to be pretty agile if they're climbing into and out of a window yeah um so he's like who else could have possibly made it through that window without disturbing the spider web and glass fragment but a small, highly trained group of gymnast contortionists and trapeze artists. Wow. And he goes, by small, I don't mean oh, he thinks there are six of them. Sorry, there were six samples oh, okay. of touch DNA. Six. Okay. And he's like, by small, he doesn't mean like a small group. He means small in like, stature. <laughs> like he little writes, people. <laughs> We ought to be looking for a troop of highly skilled circus midgets, one who are likely to carry attache cast cases with them when they travel. Jesus Christ. <laughs> to be fair, to be like 100% clear, he does not actually think yeah, this. I, this is tongue in cheek. Yeah, that's how. But I didn't realize it at first because this this guy, is, it's not a humorous book, okay? Right. And I get to this at the end and I'm like, are you not fucking a kidding you're me? Like, you're I like, spent I'm 400 sorry. pages to find out for you to think that artist. you think circus midgets did it. <laughs> Midget and then I turned artist. the page and I was like, oh, he's joking. But that's my favorite theory of the case. You should go and work for bitches. I know.
know he could have a job here i know that's literally my favorite theory um not that's, definitely not a real one fucking funny because it's definitely not what really happened i know uh, yeah another another um big part of the intruder theory was all this presence of the six unidentified dna samples but yeah. the thing is that was not like a hair no it was it was what we uh refer to as touch or transfer dna yeah and they actually did a lot of tests on it and they they think that it could have been um something as simple as like the person who in the underwear factory because someone yeah. was found in the underwear someone was found on the waistband of her leggings they yeah. think like you could have been talking and it could be saliva yeah. or like just when they touched it yeah, maybe someone had like a cut on their hands. That was one thing I read. Like, the oh, you did, yeah. Is like someone could have had a cut on their hands who was making the underwear and just gotten like a very small amount of blood on it. You know what I mean? And it, oh, that yeah, the blood too. Yeah, in the underwear. Yeah, yeah. but there was also like all this touch DNA, and I think that's what a lot of people point to. I mean, that's what Mary Lacey pointed yeah. to in her letter. But it's not apologizing to the Ramses. It's like clearly, it's not conclusive. There were DNA. other people involved. Yeah, I think we could all probably have. DNA from random people who you've oh, never met yeah. on us. We're talking into microphones right now that yeah. how many people have spoken into right. at some point in time. There's got to be all sorts of DNA. Yeah, so. so I don't know. I mean, it's. I think the thing about this case, too, I think it's really the best example of confirmation bias. Yeah. Because any one piece of evidence you could take and twist it to fit your theory, even as we're doing now with the DNA. You yeah. could say, well, clearly there's DNA. This is hard evidence that proves the Ramses didn't do it. Or you or, could look at it and say, like, well, the type of DNA is not super confusing inclusive yeah. it wasn't very strong samples that they found and like you can you can you really twist, twist it, it any yeah. way that you want to support your theory this this case is so crazy because it is a murder mixed with a conspiracy theory mm, and like yeah that's it's, right. it's the best of maybe both that's worlds. why people love it love so it. much it's, a, it's it's just amazing that really is the thing with conspiracy theories it's like yep. you can just twist anything yeah to fit your theory. it just depends how willing how um how much you're willing to suspend your disbelief yeah. That's true. That's all, it, that's all it is. I think it's kind of the same with this, too. We talked about that on part one. Everyone go listen to those episodes. But that's like, yeah, that's definitely something like anything. If you believe it, you can twist it to make it happen. Here we go. Yeah. Now it's time. The moment you Our must have all been waiting theories. for. Woo, woo. Quick, quick disclaimer. These are all our opinions. They're not facts. They're also not the opinions of Betches Media. They are our personal wow. opinions. Yeah, they are. So this one belongs to Sarah Levine. Sarah, tell me your opinion. Okay. Pretty much the most common theory that people believe, who I've talked to, literally yeah. every single person I've talked to, thinks that Burke hit uh, John Bonet over the head with a flashlight. That blow, as we discussed, would have killed her eventually yeah. at the time it knocked her unconscious, most likely. Um, and then they believe that the parents covered it up. What about the marks from the train? Yeah, that just could just accidental. be like siblings playing around. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and here's here's kind of why um, I'm inclined to think that this theory is strong. Okay, the year before Burke had hit John Bonet in the head with a golf club that was in August of 1994, which was reported by um, one of Patsy's friends. Um, and was that an accident? Okay, I don't know because uh, this 
the foreign faction kind of goes into like some perhaps behavior behavioral issues that Burke had. Yeah, there's people who kind of think there was jealousy at play. I like mean, Burke was kind of like their you know their golden child, and then Jaminet comes along and she's this like gorgeous and she looking is the literal the golden, golden child. child. Yeah. And so they think there was jealousy. Also, this uh, golf club incident happened within two days of Jaminet's birthday. Jeez, which I think is interesting. Yeah, just the timing's weird. Birthdays, Christmas, all these you yeah. know holidays. So um, interesting. Police only interview Burke once. <coughs> and they interviewed him right after the discovery of the body. Fred Patterson, Detective Fred Patterson, conducted the interview. He said Burke, quote, never once expressed concern for his sister or asked about the status of the search for her. Which I think is strange. I mean, but when you're nine, it is. You don't think you'd. I, I've like been to camp counselor for nine year old kids. They're like pretty coherent, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they know what's up. But at the same time, do you think he'd be that good of a liar at age nine? Because, like, he'd have to cover up his own lies, too, and his parents in that sense. Okay, here's what I do know. Okay. <laughs> I know Detective Patterson legitimately had to stop the interview so Burke could finish eating a sandwich. Like, that's how unconcerned this guy was yeah, with his sister. Yeah, he's like, I'm fucking chilling right it now. It just, I don't know. That's, I feel that's like weird. Wouldn't, wouldn't you be more concerned? Also, wouldn't you be, like, worried about what would happen to yourself yeah also if my you parents think kidnappers would be like, took your sisters wouldn't you your sister yeah you'd worry that someone's like coming for you also my parents would be like put away the fucking sandwich like you're getting an interview with police like pay attention well yeah yeah um <laughs> also burke concludes that interview with detective fred patterson not about not with like any question of where Jaminet yeah. is, what happened to her, if she's okay. But he literally ends it with a comment about how excited he is about to go to Charleroi, their like other home. So he still thinks so they're like, going on vacay after this. But also like why why is that what you're thinking about? Yeah, where your sister is like, dead. Yeah. It's it's very weird. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so then on January eighth, nineteen ninety seven, he has an interview with someone from the Department of Social Services dr suzanne bernhardt and okay. i watched part of this interview and like he's he does not he's just like he not. just doesn't seem to give a shit she actually she literally asks burke if he feels safe and he says yes which is like that's a little weird yeah seeing as how your sister was murdered in her house <laughs> in your house yeah um so that's strange she noted that um she thought burke displayed a lack of attachment towards his family in general interesting so I wonder, you got some weird behavior. Yeah. Also, like, he doesn't... He never cries. Like, he doesn't cry in this interview. He just... No. They, well, they're all kind of like that, though. But that's the thing is, like, the whole family's like yeah. that. They're just very unattached. So maybe it's a learned behavior, you know? Maybe mm -hmm. not. It's just, like... Maybe it's not an admission of guilt. Maybe it's something that he saw his parents do because they're kind of fucking... Yeah. Weird. Okay, well, here's something that Kohler goes into, like, depth in in the book, too. Mm -hmm. Is there's this behavioral disorder in children... Disorder in children called sexual... Behavioral Problems, or SBB. Um, it wasn't really well known in 1996, but as Kohler is doing these, like this, this research, he finds out about this disorder, and he's like, this could fit the bill. Yeah. Uh, sounds like Burke, possibly. Like a, Okay, so a 1991 study found that some of these kids who engaged in behaviors that involved fire-setting, bedwetting, animal mutilation, and scatological behaviors, which is literally doing weird with shit, shit with your shit yeah, <laughs> yeah. just don't have scatological behaviors um, we will not be friends that last one definitely fits burke um during his during patsy's first bout with cancer he smeared 
his poop on the walls of the bathroom. Ew. I know. CSI has also found a pair of pajama bottoms in Sean Benet's bedroom that they thought belonged to Burke because they were like too big for her. Okay. Those contain fecal matter. Ew. And also a box of candy in her room was also smeared with fecal matter. Okay, Burke's like so in his like, 30s now. He probably hates that everyone knows about his weird fecal behavior. Sa- I know. She, Jean Benet, did have an issue with bedwetting, yeah. according to their housekeeper. Yeah. And he might have as well at some point. Here's another tidbit that I thought was like especially interesting slash damning. Patsy's uh, <laughs> family boss. had reportedly purchased several books on childhood behavior for the family, including one called Children at Risk and one called Why Johnny Can't Tell Right from Wrong. Oh, shit. Damn. So that's kind of why I'm inclined or like that's kind of why I think like the Burke theory is popular. Right. It's it's kind of just the easiest to believe. Well, here's the thing is even and this is kind of going into my opinion, but even if the Burke theory is true. Yeah. He's nine. He couldn't have pulled it off without the help of Patsy and John. Right. Well, that's why half the yeah. theory is that Burke accident or like accidentally did accidentally it. on purpose, hit her over the head, didn't mean to kill her. Right. That's why the other half of the theory is that the parents covered, covered it up. It up. Patsy wrote the ransom note according to the theory and like all this other stuff. But the only other thing is like the the only other thing is like, why would a parent do that to their kid? So it's one thing to like dump a body. (laughs) That makes me sound so insensitive, (laughs) but actually, but it's kind of like, it's one thing to like dispose of a body. It's another thing to strangle. First of all, fashion a garrote. Yeah. Use it to strangle your child. Yeah. Then sexually assault that child Mm. with that same garrote. Duct tape her mouth. Yeah, it's like why would a why would a parent do that? Oh, also I forgot about this. The duct tape man. That was so suspect because um. But they found um fibers from this sweater Patsy was wearing that night (laughs) that matched on the duct tape. Yeah, I saw that. I I read that. That sweater. I thought I put this in there. That's the thing that uh, that sweater. It um. It took Patsy like months for her to hand that sweater over to the police. And that's the one that she wore again the next day. Yeah. So she wore it twice. There was also evidence. Uh, police think that the duct tape was. So there was like mucus on her mouth oh, or like, I, you know, lady. I guess she was crying. Yeah. Or something. Um, the, but you would think that if she was like crying after the duct tape, basically the mucus was found like underneath so the she duct was tape, crying which and the means, duct tape was put on yeah, top of it. Which would like, yeah. which people think points to um, staging because it's yeah. like, why would you put the duct tape on? <laughs> why would you not put like, that on? It would be over. To stop her from crying. Well, or like, yeah, it would be yeah. like over the duct tape. Yeah. Or like on the lines of it. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. forgot about the duct tape. Damn. The fucking duct tape. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I, that Burke did it. I, I'm not like 150% convinced that Burke I'm did it. I'm not 100%. Con- I'm not convinced of anything. No, nothing, I just think yeah. this is. Like, That's a, this the is the main plausible. theory that everyone I talk to believes. Yeah. I think that it's possible that one of the parents killed her and got help from the other parent to cover it up. Well, and yeah. No one parent would have been able to pull this off no, by themselves. It had to be a whole family. Like, or both It had to be at least both parents if you think that the parents were involved. And I think that the part that fucked me up the most, and you just said it, is like the sexual assault, the very vicious strangling... Um, just the brutality of this murder, I was like, fuck, like it couldn't be. That's why it is hard for me to believe that the family <laughs> had something to do with it. But I think that's the point is like they made it so vicious. They couldn't. This is alleged. This is my opinion that they made it so vicious and so gruesome that people like you and I are like, there's no way a person could do that to their kid. And that's like what they're kind of going is like, this had to be an intruder. Like, look at how awful this is. It, 
but I, that that's interesting that is really interesting but also it doesn't address the fact that that means that they did in fact have to do that i mean but that's like it that's a really interesting take but then it's like but they still had to do that <laughs> they still had to do that to their six-year-old daughter. you know so either way it's fucked <laughs> i think yeah i think the crazy thing about this case is like we pretty much will never know yeah Patsy has passed away. Obviously, John yeah. and Burke are not saying shit. Yeah. Also, Burke the DA like the effectively cleared them. Yeah. Essentially, saying like we're not going to entertain anything that points to the family. Yeah. So it's kind of like here's the thing: is even with this research, I might be more confused than I was before. That's the thing. The more we yeah. do research, especially into like the the disappearances too, the yeah, more information I find out the less I know it to believe. That's why I like stop going down the serial rabbit hole. Same no. thing with making a murderer. It's like the more I find out, the less sure I am of my own opinion. And when I rewatch things or when I reread things, I'm like, I don't fucking know about this. And I read some of John, yeah. John Ramsey's book, which like, I don't, it's, you take it with a grain of salt, obviously yeah. you consider the source, but like there's parts of it. I'm like, I, I really don't know what to believe anymore. Right. Um, and we know so many facts about this case. And that's like kind of what's crazy is because we never will know unless like uh, any one of those six DNA touch samples, like someone yeah. gets entered into CODIS and it's a match. <coughs> yeah. Well, then maybe, maybe those acrobats will <laughs> roll through. I know. The, the circus midgets. <laughs> I mean. I love that theory. That's my, okay, that's my favorite theory. <laughs> that's the one we're sticking to. That's yeah, who did that's it. obviously what happened. That's Benny did it. Yes. <laughs> we gotta be on the hunt for these very dangerous circus Little performers. <laughs> yeah. So if you also if you find those people, that would be pretty incredible. That would be so funny. So, so yeah, that's yeah. who did it. We cracked the case. Thank you. Thank guys. you for tuning in. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I don't know. I think that I, unfortunately we didn't. I mean, we kind of when we started this, we we're like, we're gonna fucking solve this case. I didn't think I was going to solve this case. Sometimes, though, like I thought with maybe the disappearances, I was like, ooh, I'm going to solve this. But then I was like, wow, how egotistical do I have to be to think that? You're just think hopeful. That, like reporters, yeah. cops, Detectives, haven't found shit FBI. who do this for a living. And me and my internet connection hey, is going to find out. Like, you know no. what, though? Two I'm millennial no Lindsay, girls. I'll say that much. Yeah, he's real good. Two millennial girls with the power of the internet. Like... <laughs> fucking crazy things I mean can I'll happen. find my cheating ex-boyfriend I'm not gonna solve a murder this way no. though I mean yeah who knows though <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping that some of those missing persons cases we talked about actually get solved um, I know but yeah we uh, it's confusing everyone that's why everyone's so fucking obsessed with this that, case yeah because there, there's also just so much I mean there's also so much stuff that we couldn't even reasonably talk about no. like um, the They're, fact that they arrested someone and yeah. then they later let him go because they realized it wasn't him John yeah. Mark Carr but it's like I think there's a lot of red herrings too. So I think many. That, that to me is a red herring. That if so, don't add us. That's why we didn't talk about it. It's yeah. just a red herring. It's like they think they find this guy. He's a pedophile. He was in Thailand. Mm -hmm. They try to extradite him. Then they realize he doesn't actually know anything about the the murder. Yeah, and so they're like, he didn't do it. I enjoy researching the disappearances a lot more. Ditto, ditto. I mean, this all sucks. <laughs> yeah, we don't. It does suck because I mean we um. So it just, it seems like P 
people just forget that a literal six-year-old girl yeah. was murdered that's the worst part about these things and we yeah. talked about that i thought it's easy to get detached when like the media circus surrounding this case right. is so weird so crazy and it's hard to remember like this was a, a child a, murder an innocent child who lost their life in a, the most vicious for way. like seemingly no reason either yeah, yeah. and people do it's forget weird. that and um i think that was one thing like too with the making a murderer stuff and with serial like people forget that these the, people oh died. yeah the like, family of Heyman lee is pissed yeah they the brother actually wrote a comment on reddit one time he was like i will never like answer another question about this to you guys this is just another crime this is entertainment but this is like our life this yeah, is people's this is life. like my sister yeah like, and i saw that i saw the preview for making a murder season two which comes out tomorrow at the time Ooh. we're filming this and um they have Teresa's brother on it yeah and it's like God. that's i'm actually surprised that he would agree to go on it because i think they kind of like implicitly try to like you know throw some shade his way yeah because he was like he was like the most vocal of the family yeah and they like make him out to be like this stephen avery hater but he really just wants to find out who killed his sister right which is not a fucking crime i would want to do that it is as well. certainly not a crime it's not a fucking crime so everyone stop hating on him This is fucking weird. It's the last episode of the season. Ah. I'm here in New York. Should we end it with the game? I forgot about games. We, Should we play just like Would You Rather? We can play just a general Would You Rather. We have no questions written out. Okay. We're, we're both kind of hungover. It's yeah. great. <laughs> life we're is, winging it. Life is good. Okay. Okay. You go first. Let's just do like Would You Rather like retrospective of the season. Ooh. Okay. 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 Would you rather join... Scientology. Oh God. Or um Rajneeshism. Rajneesh Purim. Um fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um I like how Buddhafield was an option because you know for sure I'd have yeah, said Buddhafield. Like, the easy call to okay? yeah. Um I think I would join Rajneesh Purim. Um because it's just a sex cult. Sex until you cool, poison yeah. people and have machine guns involved yeah i'm with you i think i'd do that one i'm too. okay with the sex cult part yeah like, just because i know most of the people they're actually i talked to my friend whose um husband is from india oh nice there's still like a ton of sannyasins really yeah huh so they're just not here like yeah. in america anymore so, you know since the whole bio i mean they thing. might still be here um <laughs> actually my friend told me that they went to go look at this apartment and the person whose apartment it was was like a sannyasin they had pictures of like rajneesh and stuff weird okay yeah. so oh, another around. interesting fact that she told me too sorry guys this girl is full of facts i love it she told me that even the name bogwan is like super um egotistical let's see if i can just pull up her text because her explanation was like super interesting okay so she says basically in the hindu pantheon there's a brahma shiva and vishnu and they're the top tier of gods like they yeah. represent creation destruction i forget about the third one but everything came through then um, the other gods are just extensions of them and humans can be incarnations of gods and the web is so vast. So it's like, it's not the same as saying you're a god to say you're a reincarnation of the demigod or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but basically the top three gods are Bhagwans. So he's calling himself, it's not, so it's not bad to like say that you're an incarnation of a god. Like right. that's, that's chill. But he's calling himself like, all the three? top god yeah yeah like a combo so combo she said that, yeah i thought that was super interesting i that wish i'd weird. known it in advance like even calling himself bhagwan <laughs> that would be like 
I, I can't yeah. we can't really it's like even worse than it's more egotistical than calling yourself Jesus and that's we talked about that in the Buddha field episode of the signs of cults I did so much fucking I went down a dark rabbit hole of like what makes a cult a cult because I got onto the topic of is religion a cult we can go into that another oh, time no. <laughs> we can go into that another time everyone but um, basically that's like one of the main things is like if you create yourself as like the chosen one or the prophet yeah. or whatever bullshit and that one leader has like a, a name like that then you're in a cult Fun yeah fact. but he didn't even call himself he called himself like the god of god that's crazy um, I thought that was fun okay yeah so to answer your question yeah the yeah Rajneesh Purim fuck no never going to Scientology okay fuck, yeah no. me either I'm terrified um, of them okay what's another fun <laughs> would you rather hmm would you rather um okay would you rather finally get a conclusion on how britney murphy died or would you rather finally get a conclusion on how princess diana died um like would you rather get like confirmation i'm just more inclined to believe that theory than the britney murphy the britney murphy one yeah hmm should we also maybe talk about other ideas that we're thinking for season two sure okay so if you had to pick three cases you really want to talk about for season two oh and we gosh. can open this up on instagram and yeah stuff too, what would you pick okay i want to talk about hillsong church okay that's that big mega church that justin bieber kendall jenner Haley baldwin like all these celebrities go to this church okay um but there's maybe some insidious undertones Perfect. there's um sexual assault <laughs> allegations um just like weird weird stuff going on interesting p- potentially okay so that could be a fun investigation like hillsong be. church is it a is, is it a it mega a church is it a cult what's going on there all right i like that one yeah okay so i think do you have any do you have two more i said three but it's we could switch off oh yeah um I don't know. We we might release this as a bonus episode, but like my girl Anna Delvey, great oh, scammer, so good, huge fan of her work, big fan. That was like our first. Yeah. that was like our. She's test. great. We did like a couple test episodes, yeah. and we did that one in Nexium, and I really think we should Nexium release them. Yeah, we'll probably just release, release it as a bonus. Them. They're they're fun. Um, Anna Delvey's fucking awesome. And then, do you have any third one? Um, I'm trying to think of like actual crimes. I would like to talk about Casey Anthony just because I, I don't actually know a lot about her. Okay. Or the case. The I kind of only one. know yeah. what I've gathered from like a few headlines and stuff. So I would actually like to research it for myself. <laughs> Ooh, and finally, Jody Arias, because that bitch is nuts. Ooh, okay. I'm down for all of this, actually. Um, okay. I like all this. So everyone, I hope you're writing this down. And we, we should definitely like. We're not saying that we're definitely going to do this, no, by the way. Fuck no. So but don't at me. No, don't get mad at us. <laughs> we're not, this is not an obligation. Um, these are just things yeah. that we're hopeful that we can talk about yeah. at some point. Um, okay. I think I, I don't know if I ever want to do another murder this big like John Bonet Ramsey. Yeah, like Ted Bundy would f- fucking kill me. We do. Yeah, I think we should cover like some sort of historic serial killer. Yeah, I mean we have to. Like the Zodiac would be cool. Yeah, um, but that one's also like really draining. <laughs> yeah. So I think mine would be I wanted. I can't remember that guy's fucking name the guy who walks into a bar and never comes out and i can't remember his name we talked about it we talked about this morning but i i really like the missing person ones yeah um those are ones that really interest me yeah i would really really like to look into um buzzfeed did this expose on Mm. nuns who abused children and killed them 
Oh my god! Is that the keepers? It's kind of no. So the keepers is a nun gets killed and oh, yeah, like yeah, to yeah. be silenced. This is like nuns actually ended up killing children. Oh, if god. you haven't read this BuzzFeed article, it's incredible. Oh wow, it's so good. Um, it took them like four years to research it or something like that. Oh my god, it's amazing. So I would really be interested in that just because of um, my deep skeptics of uh, skepticism of religion, hmm. <laughs> and. Um, I think, hmm, I would be interested in doing the Slender Man killing. Oh, God. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good, like, that creepy one. pasta would be good to get creepy into. Creepypasta. Oh, so. yeah, then we get all, like, paranormal. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. We're going into it. We're Slender Man is good. I should watch that HBO doc. I want to watch it. I yeah. Have, I haven't gotten to it yet. Neither. I had to get through, like, a bunch of other HBO shit. Um, yeah. So... Yeah. So exciting things to probably come. To probably come. We in have, season two. We have thoughts cooking. Please send let us, us yours. know. Don't ever mention JonBenet Ramsey, but please <laughs> let us know what yeah. you guys want us to cover, and we'll consider all your suggestions. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it to um, heart. And then DM us. We're on Instagram at NATC Pod. Twitter mm-hmm. is the same NATC Pod. Yep. We also have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash NATC Podcast. Not the same. Not the same, slightly different. Um, shoot us an email, NATC at Betches.com, B E T C H E S. Yep. Um, subscribe, rate, and review. Yeah, if please. If you like us, please. Tell us how much you like us. Yeah. <laughs> Just shower we, us with we compliments. Like compliments. <laughs> and if you don't like it, keep that negative energy yeah, to yourself. Fuck you, we don't need that. <laughs> like, seriously, if you don't have anything nice Just to kidding, say. Just kidding, all opinions are valid. Yeah, we but, love you all. If you don't have anything nice to say, though, just text it to your friends. Don't put it on the internet. <laughs> Do what everyone else does and put in your group message. Right. Um, but yeah, so thanks so much for listening to season one. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it. Yeah, we did. And we'll be back for season two. Yeah. We don't know when, but it's coming. Batches.